Good to be with you this morning. Um, I want to start off this morning. Actually, I'm just going to look at the time. Okay, I'm aiming for 11:30, so you guys can give me the. We want to we want to worship this morning. Let's spend some extra time just in worship and prayer this morning. So we're going to do this. I, I hope it is meaningful to you, um, but also I think we just need to worship. Um, I want to give you a quick gift idea. Do you guys want some gift giving ideas? Yeah? This is not a part of the sermon, by the way, so there's, there's no inspiration from the Spirit with this, but, oh, maybe there is. Um, singles. You don't have to put your hand up. I'll put my hand up. Um, I, I have a good gift idea for you guys and gals. It is to look around our community and find some couples or some singles with children and go up to them after the service or any time of the year and offer to go to their home in the evening and babysit. So um, I think this is a gift that, that you, that we, that I can give to those who have children. I have lots of friends with children. I know that it's a, it's a tough gig. It's a, it's a great gig. Um, but if you're not comfortable putting kids to bed, then wait till they're in bed and then offer to come over after. But really, if you're watching Netflix in the evening or working, do it, do it at friend's house. And I, I just I know that it's such a gift to our community and to those who have children who just need to get out of the house. Dates are super important for couples, and they don't get to do that a lot when um, they have small kids. So a little gift idea for those of you who have that time in your life. Now, couples, people who make meals... Um, I'm assuming that when you have children, you make meals because you have to feed your kids. So there's lots of people in this community that don't make a lot of meals because they live alone, and it's just such a pain to make a meal um, by yourself and just eat it by yourself. So look around your community, and I, I just invite you to invite people who live alone or who are single, who, who don't have someone to cook for, invite them into your family. That is such a gift to get to eat in your chaos. We don't care if your house isn't clean. Um, we don't care for having craft dinner. It's just such a gift to be with you and to be with children and to be with family and to experience that in the city. So that is my challenge to you, 2019. Let's bless each other with what we do have, whether it's time, whether it's the ability to sit on a couch and watch Netflix, or, or you're cooking already, invite somebody in. But I think that would really um, help to nourish our community in the coming year. So gift ideas by Steph are done. Okay. So we're, oh, it's feedbacking, is it okay? Sorry? Closer? Okay. Okay, sorry, one second. Oh. Okay, is that better? Yeah? Okay, thank you. I feel like Nelson this morning. Sorry, Nelson. All right. Amy's gone, that's too bad. I was hoping for her support there as well. Um, well, I went to a play a couple weeks ago. Have you guys been to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yes. Thank you. It's so good. Um, is John here this morning? John did not come because he knows that I'm going to give a spoiler in this sermon. But Rebecca's here. Rebecca, thank you for blessing this city with your gift. It, I, it has just touched me so much. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know it's a sacrifice to your mom, your wife, you work, and now you're doing this play. Thank you so much. Um, this play, I have, I've read the books years ago, but I, I forgot about the story, as we do with stories, we forget. And went to this play, and within the first minute, I was crying. Now, maybe you guys, if you just know me as someone who preaches, you probably expect that. Um, but generally speaking, I don't get that moved by plays normally. Um, but it just struck a chord. It was just so, it just brought me back to this world of, of magic and possibility. And uh, it was really, really moving. And there's a line um, in the play and in the books by C.S. Lewis um, that talk about Aslan being on the move. And that really struck me. I was already starting to prepare for this message. And I don't know, just um, the way that C.S. Lewis writes this play and as we talk about Advent and the coming of Jesus and Jesus being on the move, um, I was just really struck. So I want to read a little bits and pieces to you this morning from the stories of Narnia. Is that okay? Have you guys, anyone here read the books or know the stories? Most people? Am I going to give any spoiler alerts? Or No, I'm giving the alert. Am I giving any spoilers if I read from these books, particularly the, the very end of the story? <laughs> It's fine. Everyone knows the end. Okay, cool. Rebecca, you're going to want to... Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, so the children... I actually, I brought the books with me, so there's no slides for these. The children are in Narnia. It's winter. The white witch is, is ruling over Narnia, and she has for many years, and no hope is in sight. Christmas never comes in Narnia. It's just winter all the time. And so the children have found their way to Narnia through a wardrobe, and they have met talking beavers, as one would in a magical land, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And so this is when they first meet Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and they're, they're talking, they're looking for their friend who's been turned into stone by the, the evil white witch. You with me, John? Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Okay, so here, here's where we go. So they're, they're talking about what they can do to help save their friend. It's no good. Son of Adam, said Mr. Beaver. No good you're trying, of all people. But now that Aslan is on the move. Oh, yes, tell us about Aslan, said several voices at once. For once again, that strange feeling, like the first signs of spring, like good news, had come over them. Who is Aslan? asked Susan. Aslan, said Mr. Beaver. Why, don't you know? He's the king. He's the lord of the whole wood. But not often here, you understand. Never in my time or my father's time. But the word has reached us that he has come back. He is in Narnia at this moment. He'll settle that white witch all right. Or, sorry, white queen. I inserted witch. I don't, I don't like her. Um, <laughs> it is he, not you, that will save Mr. Tumnus. She won't turn him into stone too, said Edmund. Lord love you, son of Adam. What a simple thing to say answered Mr. Beaver with a great laugh. Turn him into stone. If she could stand on her two feet and look him in the face, it'll be the most she can do, and more than I expect of her. No, no, he'll put all to rights, as it says in an old rhyme in these parts. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. You'll understand when you see him. But shall we see him? asked Susan. 
Why, daughter of Eve, that's what I brought you here for. I'm to lead you where you shall meet him, said Mr. Beaver. Is, is he a man, asked Lucy. Aslan a man, said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the, and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Let's pray. No, I'm kidding. Um, can you imagine? Well, I should have done that. Okay. No, we're going we're gonna to go on here. Um, wonderful stories. So we want to talk about Aslan being on the move. Of course, Aslan, it's an allegory for, for Jesus, for the Messiah coming. And it's a beautiful story. And it reminds us of the coming of Jesus. And it reminds us that Jesus is on the move in this season. Now, I don't know how you come into this season. Um, I think we all come from different places. Uh, last week, uh, Lance and Amy uh, talked about wanting to have this time that we gather together as a place of peace, of rest. When life is so busy and we're so hurried, um, it's so good just to gather and to be still together and to listen together. And Lance gave us these words. I'm going to put them up on the screen here. I think it's working. That's, that's the verse where our title comes from, but we'll go on. Words like waiting, holding, listening, quieting, preparing, and receiving. Rest. So this morning we're going to do less exegesis. Actually, we're going to do none. I'm not going to give you any context, except for the Narnia context. We are going to just listen and reflect and remember and praise God for how good he is when he is on the move, and he is on the move. And I know that we all come from different places. I know Christmas is, for some, it's their favorite season. It's their favorite time of year. Um, That's not me, to be honest. It's not my favorite time of year. I find it hard to engage in Christmas. Um, even, even spiritually, I feel like it's supposed to be this big thing and it's not. Anyone like me? Yes. Right. So you feel like you're supposed to have this connection with God that you don't any other time of year because it's Christmas and then you get there and you're like, it's just the same. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just the same. And so I find it, I feel a little bit of guilt around Christmas because I'm not connecting the way that I think I'm supposed to connect Christmas is also um, a really awesome time with gifts and lights and music. And again, I'm not trying to bring my singleness on you this morning, but it's also a really hard time for singles. Um, It's a romantic season. And um, when you're not with someone, Christmas reminds you that you're alone. And so I want to just, maybe you didn't know that, or maybe you forgot. 
Um, and so, and with children, if you don't have children, it reminds you that, oh yeah, like Christmas is about kids and about the wonder that children bring. And, and if you don't have kids, then there's actually pain there. So we all come to Christmas with a lot of um, different feelings, different pain, different joys. We get to see our families. That can be good or bad. However you're coming, if life is good, if it's hard, um, we are glad that you're here to be with us, to worship a God who doesn't change, um, and, a, and a Christ who is on the move, whether it's hard or it's good. So thank you for being here. We're going to have a time of silence, and this is just to use however you want to use it. You can think about Narnia. You can think about how Jesus is on the move in your life. You can have a little nap if you're exhausted. Um, however you want to use it, let's just invite God into this space and anticipate what he wants to do um, in us this morning. Holy Spirit, we want you to know that you're invited here in our conversation this morning, in our hearts, between us as people. Would you open up our eyes this morning to see you, our ears to hear you? Thank you that we're together with you. Amen. So there's this, this old man from the 14th century, super old. His name is John of Roysbrook, and I'm saying that wrong. He's um, Flemish, which means he's German, but he speaks Dutch. Learned that this week. Um, and he was a writer in the 14th century, and he wrote a lot about the three comings of Christ. And so, of course, that sounds a bit heretical already. Um, let me tell you what that means. So he talks about the first coming being the birth of Jesus and the third coming being the coming that is to come when Jesus comes and brings his kingdom in all its fullness, the one that we're waiting for. And then he talks about the second comings of Christ being between those two, the way that we um, see and uh, interact and encounter Christ in our everyday and uh, I thought that was a really beautiful way of just understanding the way that, um, that Christ comes and comes again in our lives. So I, re- I read about him through another book by a guy named Mark Harris, and I'm just going to read a little blurb there of, of how he kind of explains um, this idea of the three comings. A mature faith will be informed by all three comings of Jesus. Yes, we need to find our orientation in his first coming, The word became flesh and lived among us. In his teaching, his living and dying, and living again, we find our bearing, our identity, our salvation. In the prospect of his future coming, we find our hope, hope that will lighten even the darkest of days in these in-between times. 
In these two great moments, Jesus enters redemptively into the sweep of human history. We live our lives within the grand contours of God's cosmic work of reconciliation in Christ. But it is in his second comings that Jesus enters redemptively into the sweep of our own personal stories in all of their uniqueness and concreteness. As Roysbrook notes, he comes so we might taste him in time. In the unfathomable grace of God, you and I are invited to practice the presence of Jesus. I love that we might taste him in time. Like today, in this moment, we might taste the coming of Jesus. I think that just like the Narnia stories um, that have captured the imaginations of millions of people, so too there's really no story if there's no Jesus. And there's no story, there's no Narnia without Aslan, and there's no story in our lives without Jesus, not just as the creator, but as the one who comes and comes again into our lives. This morning, I want to invite you to tell your stories. So... I'm excited about that. I don't even actually know a lot of your stories, and I think that we've all had a year of great things and hard things, um, and I think that there's just so much value in us sharing our stories with each other and proclaiming the goodness of God. And so I just want to plant that little seed. We're not going to do it quite yet, but you can start to get nervous now <laughs> so that when it happens, you'll be ready. Um, before we do, though, I want us to sit with some scripture. And again, we're, we're not going to pull this one apart. We're going to listen and let it wash over us and sink into us. And I think it's just beautiful when we can just read scripture and just, yeah, just sit in it and ask God to speak. And so I invite you to listen to the scripture. This is from the, um, the church calendar. So we read, um, Eva read two of, the, two of the four from the lectionary before the sermon, and uh, I'm actually, we're actually going to read one of those again and then another one um, from the church calendar. And it's just ch- scripture that people read this time of year. Many churches are reading these passages today, and they're just so beautiful and meaningful. And I just invite you to let it wash over you and, and let God speak to you through it. From Zephaniah Sing, daughter of Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. From Isaiah, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. 
The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. So we want to do that. You know how at the end of sermons often there's questions? Go and consider these questions as you leave. We call it application. Well, this morning we're actually going to apply what we just read as we gather. And by that I mean we're going to give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Proclaim that his name is exalted. We do that in our singing. We're going to do that in our sermon time. Is Dice here this morning? She's sick. She was my microphone runner. Um, Does anyone else want to be there? Yeah? Thank you, Ben. Awesome. Um, Yeah, we can just use this one. Is it okay if I walk it? No, run, please. Yeah. Okay. Um, Before you do that, though. Yeah. Okay. So, some questions. How has Jesus been on the move in your life? Lately, today, this year, in this moment, how have you been encountering the Christ in his second comings? And maybe you're in the middle of something. Maybe um, you're like, I can't share my story because this is not done. I think we often are tempted to wait till the end before we share. If you're in the middle, that's great because then we can walk with you. We can pray with you as you look for whatever resolve you're looking for, you're praying for. How has God been your strength? How is God your strength, your defense, your mighty warrior, your rescuer? How has he brought you home, restored what was lost? And maybe you feel like you haven't seen God on the move for months, years. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, it's Christmas, I should go to church. Um... Or maybe you've been coming every week for years looking for God, asking for God to move, and and you just, he's not, he doesn't seem to be moving. So let us join our faith with maybe your lack of faith and belief for you that God will be on the move again in your life. So wherever you're at, whatever end of the spectrum, um, your story is welcome here. So I'm going to read the scripture one more time. And then, let's share our stories. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. 
I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppress you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Wow. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. Thanks, Ben. And I know that there are so many more stories out there, and I encourage you to share them with each other. Um, Powerful, faith-filled stories or maybe completely lacking in faith, um, but share them anyway. Um, I had a story to share in case nobody spoke, but you did. So throw that out. No, I'm kidding. Um, We're actually gonna, gonna, gonna wrap up, but I did wanna show you some pictures that went with my story, and I'll I'll make the the longer story really, really short. Um, I'm gonna try to get through this without crying. Here we go. Nope, not gonna happen. Okay, this is, <laughs> um, I think some stories that were shared this morning are, are these photos. This is my, my dad's hangar three years ago, um, just over three years ago, December 7th. Uh, he burned it down by accident. 32 years of growing a business, five airplanes, eight boats, and, and a whole hangar, all of his tools burned to the ground. And he uh, left on fire, escaped the building, and um, was taken to the hospital. I was living here, as I do. And uh, you can show the next, next picture. And so then my siblings and I flew back to Timmins, where, where we're from, where this is, to be with my dad. He just got out of um, the hospital in Toronto and come back. He had skin graft surgery and... Uh, barely escaped with his life, and lost everything um, that for his, from his business. This was my parents' retirement right here, and it was literally burned to the ground. And so, you can go to the next, next picture. This is the last one of the burning building. So this is what I think of also when I think of Christmas now, going home, to uh, parents that are broken, my dad who is broken, and siblings and myself who don't know how to interact with a father who's broken. You can go to the next picture. This is from last year. So this is just the base of the hangar with a little bit of cement left. Um, 
clearly the walls are gone. And now there's flowers growing around it. And I wanted to share this with you because I think this is so beautiful. I don't know why tragedy happens. We, we can't answer those questions. But what we do know is that God is with us when things burn down. And I could tell you stories about the miracles that's happened in my family since then. But I'll tell you one thing that I've talked to my dad more in the last three years than I have in my entire life because of that. And my parents' relationship is healthier now than it has ever been. And so as we look for Jesus on the move, sometimes it's through things like businesses burning down and relationships burning down and ourselves burning down and burning out. Um, But I believe that there is resurrection. Do you guys believe that? Yeah, there's a resurrection. In this day and, and to come, as we talk about Jesus on the move, as we talk about his third coming, um, there is resurrection. It's not all for this life. And I'm excited about next year, you guys. I'm excited about as we talk about Jesus on the move this year, as we look to next year, and I I just want more Jesus on the move next year in all sorts of ways. Um, I wanna see more people come to know Jesus for the very first time in this community. I wanna see more baptisms, not because we count those things, but because it's it's real life. It's, It's darkness turning to light in people's hearts. I want to see more of that next year. I want to see Jesus on the move as our healer, as our restorer. This verse has been rattling around my, my heart for the last couple of months. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them, renew them, revive them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Sorry, my prayer for us this morning and going into a new year, Christmas. And now I just want to close. We're way over time, I know. I want to close, I want to read to you the last page of The Last Battle, which is the last book in the Narnia series. If you do not want to know how this ends, <laughs> please don't listen. <laughs> Rebecca? But this is so beautiful. <laughs> And uh, this is going to inspire you for the rest of your place. This is so beautiful, and I don't know if C.S. Lewis is right, but I think he just might be right. I think he might be right, so check this out. The battle has taken place. They won. You knew that. Aslan turns to the children. You do not yet look so happy as I mean you to be, Lucy said. We're so afraid of being sent away, Aslan, and you have sent us back into our world so often. No fear of that, said Aslan. Have you not guessed? Their hearts leapt, and a wild hope rose within them. There was a real railway railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, dead. 
The term is over, the holidays have begun. The dream is ended, this is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only, begun, had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Merry Christmas, friends. Thank you, Steph, and to all of you who shared. And now we come to the table, and we've been reminded this morning of this good news, of great joy for all people. That's part of the, the Christmas announcement, and that, that great joy part can feel like a add-on, or can feel like it's hard to switch into. I, th- I think we've been reminded this morning that the joy comes from the reminder that what's revealed in Jesus is that God's descended all the way down. God's descended all the way down to our darkest depths and to our despair and to identify with us there, to reveal a co-suffering love. That's the amazing thing that's revealed in Christ, a co-suffering love. And joy then starts bubbling up to find that God identifies with us at our worst and our lowest moments. So uh, may we all find our way into Christmas some, somehow, uh, knowing that God identifies with us just as we are wherever we are. So we have this table, which Rochelle's reminded us this morning is this great equalizer, this great invitation, and this great revelation of co-suffering love that God is, in fact, with us. And so that's why we rehearse this over and over and over again. And so you're invited to come to the table uh, once, once again this morning. Let's remind ourselves of this good news, which is for all people. Uh, by sharing in these words. The gospel is the good news that God our Father, the creator...